0: Amen, come on, give the Lord some, some praise. Yeah, we will enter his gates with thanksgiving in our heart. We will enter his courts with praise. I always mix that up. We will enter his courts with thanksgiving in our hearts. we will I don't know, y'all know it, courts, thankfulness, praise. It takes them both, and it's a time of thankfulness. And can I just tell you, we're so thankful for you. We're so thankful for our church and our church body and there is something awesome going on right here in this place with the connections that's being made. I don't know if you've noticed, but as she, she kind of had a vision of a, of a table, that's kind of what we're doing right now. We're eating together, we're connecting together, we're fellowshipping together, and I am beginning to see some fruit of those connections. Um, I was in Sunday school this morning with Burton and Cindy's class, and sure enough, the scripture that he's teaching on is the scripture that I'm preaching on. And I want you to know that God's voice, there's one voice, there's one Holy Spirit, and we should be kind of hearing the same thing. Do you hear me? When the Spirit of God speaks, there's one Spirit, so the church body should be kind of in the same flow. So it shouldn't be, we shouldn't see it as a miracle that all of a sudden we're kind of hearing the same thing. We should acknowledge that the fruit of the Spirit is here because we're hearing the same thing. When we're all hearing different things, then something's off. When you're in a household and you're sitting around a table and there's all this separation, there's something off. So it's so important that we start to acknowledge the Spirit of God in this place and that we're hearing the same thing. We're in First Peter chapter 2, and as we're still talking about vision, um, there has been a little bit of talk about how long are we going to be on vision until God gives us a new vision. There's no intention of changing, of moving. We're, we're here. God gives us a direction to go in. That's the direction we go in until he tells us to go a different direction. Church, do you hear me? Men in your household, ladies, you leaders, you parents in your household, you need to have vision and you need to hear it from God and you need to follow it. God gives you a direction to go in. We need to take it. It says that he orders our steps, the righteous. He orders the steps of the righteous, but we have to take the steps, he doesn't take the steps for us. So, we've been in as we've been in our vision talking about transformation, talking about community, talking about reaching, talking about relationship. We looked last week at 1 Peter chapter 1 and, and uh, the f- few weeks prior to that we've been talking about justification and sanctification. And as they said in Sunday school, um 1 Peter chapter 1 was kind of about hey, you've gotten saved. You've gotten justified. You've gotten covered by the blood of Jesus, and it says to be holy. Well, wow. What a start. Be holy. But then in chapter 2, Peter starts to show us how to walk that out, and that's where I want us to start today is how to live. We've given our hearts to Christ. Maybe you haven't. And let me stop there just for a second. Maybe you've never given your heart to Christ. Can I just give you a little bit of testimony for just a second? God has delivered me out of financial problems. God has delivered me out of mental problems. God has delivered me out of addiction problems. God has delivered me out of alcohol problems. God has delivered me out of cussing problems. God has delivered me out of having bitterness and unforgiveness problems. God is a deliverer. Stick around me long enough. You'll know I've got stuff in my past, but everything in my past God's delivered me from everything. I've got people that are facing kids in jail, that are facing losing jobs, that are facing can't pay their rent, that are facing needing adoption to get this thing to be broken through for children that are hurting, but we can't get through the state paperwork. I want you to know God is a deliverer. He can. You just need hope. If you can just get a little bit of a taste of hope and desire it and go after it, You will find it. And the hope that is in God will not let you down. The hope in the world will end and wind up empty. The hope of God will not. So, amen. So there's hope. You have hope. If you're a Christian and you're battling, well, we've just learned over the last few weeks, that's normal someone said in Sunday school this morning if you weren't tested and didn't go through suffering you'd never grow it takes the tests to grow it's why we do it in school to get to the next grade you got to take tests you got to show me you know what we're talking about in this grade before you can move forward we do not want to stay a 5 year old christian we want to grow Get smarter, get equipped, and be able to help people fight this fight. There's a battle going on. There's a battle going on right here. Putnam County, all good. Church on the Hill. Satan wants to divide. But we have the victory if we will walk it out. You're facing divorce? God's got an answer. I've got people in this church that have testimony of overcoming divorce. Ready to sign the papers. And God restores. So I want to encourage you. There's hope. Connect. Connect to the Word. Connect to the Spirit. Connect to the body. There's a part you have to play. God will not do that part for you. He did everything for you. You just have to connect to it. Are you with me? So as we're growing and learning and having growing pains and making mistakes, I I struggle to even share this, but... You know, I'm, I've stretched out and trying a, a little bit of a different instrument up here, and I'm telling you what, I am laying eggs on the stage. I am just making a mess of it. My poor worship team's looking around thinking, oh, God, we're going to have to go through that again. And I'm like, uh, yeah, you are. <laughs> uh, and, and just suffering, but growing and growing and growing and trying to stretch. And who here is trying to stretch? And sometimes it hurts when you stretch. I heard a child, I think, said Amen. It hurts to grow. It hurts to stretch. It hurts to go a little bit further distance. If you've ever learned to run a mile, it's hard to run too. But you've got to stretch out there. Are you really a Christ follower? Now, this week I have encountered um, an, uh, a seminar on poverty that has just been um, very eye opening to our city. Um, I also encountered a homeless family this weekend in need. There are so many needs in our city. There is such a need for the church to begin to godly meet needs. But you know what? Um, it's not that easy. It's not that even, easy even to reach the world. I want you to look at a quote that I learned from this uh, uh, seminar that we had on poverty. No significant learning occurs without a significant relationship. No significant learning occurs without a significant relationship. I'm gonna probably mess up this quote, but there's a quote that says, nobody cares what you think until they know that you care. Nobody wants to hear what you have to say until they know that you really care about them. No significant learning occurs without significant relationship. In the church, we must be developing relationship, getting to know one another, understanding each other's hurts, and walking through them together. Can somebody say amen? So, in order to really share something that you're really going through, what do you have to develop? Trust. As your relationship grows, you begin to develop trust in each other. Think about a parent The trust in a parent, maybe the trust in a teacher. Have you ever had a teacher that you trusted that really spoke into your life? I've got a couple teachers that really had positive impact on my life. I had a couple teachers that had negative impact on my life. How many of you here have had positive impact from your parents? How many here have had negative impact from your parents? You know, there is damage that occurs. There is positive uplifting things that occurs. But the key, and as we look at Jesus' ministry with his disciples as he was teaching them, was relationship. So here's Peter. He's just told us, okay, you've gotten saved. You're covered by the blood. Now go out and be holy. And he starts in chapter 2, and he says this, 1 Peter chapter 2. Get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Ouch. Okay, Peter. Sounds good. Verse 2, like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have tasted of the Lord's kindness. Now, I feel like things are a little bit um, backwards. He's telling us Because this has happened, you need to do this. I feel like in verse 3, now that you have tasted, now that you have tasted the Lord's kindness, start to do these other things. Do you see that? Get rid of this. Drink the milk. Now that you because you have tasted of it. Tasted of what? If we look at the New King James Version, it says when it says crave spiritual milk, it says Desire the pure milk of the word. So, as I was studying and as the Lord was kind of pouring into me this week, my biggest question to you and to me is how do we develop a crave? It's not saying, the Lord's not saying, I'm going to give you a crave. The Lord's saying, You crave. Do you see that? Like newborn babies. You must crave spiritual milk. I believe we've got to go to the end to get to the beginning here. How do we crave spiritual milk? By getting a taste. If I can just get a taste of the Lord, all I need is a taste. You know, that child, once it gets a taste of its mother's milk, buddy, that baby will cry for that milk. That baby will cry so hard that God will provide that milk for that baby. It takes that cry to get the milk to come down. Do you hear me? It takes our cry to get that word to come down and really come into our heart. We can't play some game. We can't just do it because we're being told to do it when we crave it. It has a different impact on us. So how do we crave? And as we were sitting in Sunday school, I told them, this is my dilemma. How do I develop a crave? And I believe it's by the body sharing hope. When the world out here is drying up and dying, I believe that when we spirit-filled believers that have the word, that have testimony, that have breakthrough and can just share Our experience. We overcome Satan by the blood of the lamb, no work that we've done, and by the word of our testimony. Because I have been covered by the blood and I have walked through something that the Lord has walked me through, when I share that with you, something spiritual happens. And they get a taste of that milk and begin to say, tell me more. I would like a little bit more. But it says here that we are to crave spiritual milk. Now, it goes on later to say we don't need to stay on milk. So many of, of us as believers have just stayed on milk and never gotten to meat. That's for another sermon. But we can't stay on milk to forever, but that's the starting point, is to crave spiritual milk so that you will grow in your salvation. What is that? That's the sanctification. You've been covered by the blood. Now the Holy Spirit starts to work through you. How? By craving spiritual milk, by craving that Spirit of God, and you beginning to grow from the inside out. Do you remember we've got our own sheet over us that's all dirty? We're covered with the red sheet that's got us covered, but we've still got issues inside. As that spiritual milk, as this Holy Spirit starts to work in us, He starts to clean that. All of a sudden, that bitterness and unforgiveness I feel toward the person that's hurt me so bad, I look in there and it's gone. Anybody here ever truly forgiven someone and it's gone? You may not be there yet. If you're not, you've got a great day ahead of you. We, uh, My children have been in Beauty and the Beast and last night was the last show and they had something for the seniors just talking to them about how well they had done and for a few some of them they were saying what a great future they had they could see all this potential and all this stuff stuff ahead of them if you're still battling unforgiveness let me tell you if you will allow the spirit of god to move in your life you have got a better day ahead of you there is nothing like being free of unforgiveness nothing because when you're holding unforgiveness it filters you see through that filter everything it affects your marriage it affects your relationship with your kids it affects your job it affects God hearing your prayers it affects God's ability to forgive you it's not that he's not able but we've just put a wall up it says if we don't forgive he doesn't forgive It's not that he doesn't desire to forgive. He does. He gave everything to forgive you. But we have to walk through this thing. And see, that's what a a new Christian needs to know. Hey, I know you've given your heart to the Lord and we're growing, but that unforgiveness you're carrying around, we got to get rid of that. Oh, you're meddling. Stay away. Okay. All right. Hey, you're still battling over here. You're still having problems with your dad? Yeah, man, I'm so sorry. My, my, me and my dad had issues too. Let me tell you what we walked through. Oh my gosh, yeah, and I forgive, forgave him, and I'm free of it. Well, how'd you do that? Well, let me talk to you about it. I'm free. Unforgiveness is only hurting me. It's not even hurting him. Your unforgiveness is just hurting you. It's not hurting that other person. It's just hurting you. So why would you continue to hurt yourself? If anybody's listening, that was a good word for somebody. Why would you continue to hurt yourself? People do it all the time. People cut, people do drugs, people do all kinds of stuff to hurt themselves. Why? It's a good question. Crave spiritual milk. You may not have ever been there. Well, that's a goal for you to set. Okay, God, your word says I need to crave spiritual milk. Okay, show me. Let's look at the next verse, verse four. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by the people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. From the scripture, I want you just to look at that first five words. Are you? Are you coming to Christ? Now You may say, yeah, I go to church every single Sunday. That's not what I'm asking. Are you coming to Christ? Are you in the Word? Are you filled with the Spirit and praying and talking to Him throughout your week? Are you giving Him your stuff? What I mean is your your battles. I'm going to show you here in just a minute. You need to let Him have your battles. He's way better at it than you are. He knows how to handle it. He knows how to handle the enemy on the other side of that battle. Are you coming to Christ? Are you craving? You must crave. And when you really want to, something happens. Do you know that we have uh, Elizabeth terms, and she's going to probably say I'm using this term in the wrong way, but we have critical incidences in our lives, or we have major things that happen in our life, whether they're positive or negative. Um, Even sometimes I would like to call we hit rock bottom. Anybody here ever hit rock bottom and it caused you to make a change in your life? That's what I'm talking about. Some significant event that happens in your life that causes you to change for the better. You know, you don't have to get to the bottom, God doesn't require you to hit the bottom. Sometimes that's what it takes, and the Lord will walk you right through it all the way until you turn because he loves you so much. Is this what it's going to take to get you to turn back around? Because I love you so much. Let's just go ahead and walk this on out. I'm with you. I'm with you. But how far do you have to go before you turn back to me? These significant moments, think about maybe in your childhood or maybe it's your job or maybe with your spouse or maybe you, for me, I I had a battle with depression. We had a major financial um, crossroads to come to that made some major changes in our life. In our marriage came to some crossroads that made me start reading books and start pouring back into my heart for my wife. Changed my life, but I had to make a change. And to be honest with you, I won't change unless something makes me. Can everybody agree? I don't just change just to change. It takes a lot to get me to drive a different direction than I normally drive. I've got to know that there's a traffic jam somewhere or I'm going the same way I'm used to. Even if it's longer. Even if it's dumb. Sometimes I don't know why I went that way. I don't know. I just, my parents went that way. Well, why? It's longer and it's stupid. Well, you're stupid. (laughs) Try this other way. No. It's better. I don't care. Until I have a wreck on this road and I have to go the other way. And it's like, oh, why didn't I do this all the time? Why didn't I lose 60 pounds 20 years ago? Stupid. Stupid. My wife was trying to get into my head early on as I was piling on the weight. I didn't listen. In fact, I went the other direction. I'll see more. It's kind of how I think. I'm sorry. I got issues. But then a critical incident happened in my life with my weight. And I made a change, and it was hard. How many of you know change is hard? And when you try to change someone else, please stop. Let God do that. You can't change somebody else. Elizabeth could not change me, even though I believe she's tried. <laughs> Boy, she's prayed too. I'm the one. God does that in me. I have to make those changes. Are you coming to Christ? Are you coming to Christ? It's time for a change, church. It's time for a change. Can we go to the next scripture, Savannah? Um, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. And you are the living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests, holy priests. Through the meditation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. You, you, you are the living stones that God is building here. You are, that he is building for his kingdom now. Do you know there's a war going on? For his kingdom. And you are those stones that are being put into place for his kingdom. You are his holy priests. You are the ones that are to go take the word to the lost and save them from the pit of hell. You. You must be growing. You must be craving spiritual milk. You must be changing so that you have something to offer when we go out of here. You need some stories of victory. What does that mean? In order to have stories of victory, what do you need? Victory. That's what we have. Because I'm God's kid, I've got victory ahead. You are the living stones. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, Dear friends, as I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners, I'm snotty, I'm sorry, to keep away from the worldly desire that wage war against your very soul, Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and will give honor to God when he judges the world. When people accuse you wrongly. Anybody ever had that happen? It hurts. They will see your honorable behavior. Will they? (laughs) If we are craving spiritual milk, if we are allowing the Spirit of God to move in us, if we are connecting to the body and receiving help, if we are in the Word and getting filled up, then when the world comes and accuses us wrongly, we will respond godly. That's how we know when we start to see what's coming out of our mouth, we can know what our fruit is. We can know where our heart is because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And you know what? My mouth sounds fine as long as no one's pushing my button. But when someone pushes my button, I know what's really down deep in my heart. Those of you all that are close enough to me know it's sometimes you push my button and you get something good. Sometimes you push my button and you get something bad. It's not always good, is it, Michelle? (laughs) No comment. Verse 21. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering. Just as Christ suffered for you, He is your example. Now, watch, and you must follow His steps. He never sinned, nor did He deceive anyone. He did not retaliate when He was insulted, nor threaten revenge when He suffered. He left His case in the hands of God. Who always judges fairly. Do you hear me? Now it says that he never sinned. Now the word has already told us all have sinned. So we can never fulfill that. The only way we fulfill that is by Christ's covering, his righteousness. Now that's at the beginning. We get covered by the blood of God. The only way I could fulfill an unsinned life because I'm a sinner. I've already lost that one. Done. Settled. I'm a sinner. I deserve to go to hell. But because of what Christ did for me and me receiving it, he has covered me by his blood. He has cleansed me of my sin and continues to cleanse me of my sin. But look what he says. He did not retaliate when insulted. When you receive insults, watch what's coming out of your mouth. If you still kind of fire back, then just realize hey, I still got a little bit more growing to do. I'm not a failure, I'm not the one loser. Nope, I'm a work in progress. I'm still needing to be sanctified, and that person just knew how to push my button. How many of you know that the people that usually push your buttons the most are the ones closest to you? Why? Because they know you, and they know how to get a rise out of you. If my wife wants me to get out of my chair, she knows how to say it to me in a way that gets me out of my chair. Sometimes I don't, (laughs) and that doesn't go well. Again, I've got choices, but he didn't retaliate when he was insulted, nor did he threaten revenge when he suffered. How many times when someone comes and does something to you, do you do it back? When a sibling comes and does something or says something, hey, you just did that to me. Well, you did that to me. I looked at my daughter. Y'all don't do that at all, ever and ever. know, y'all are great. It's so easy to retaliate. Do you remember when Jesus was accused? He just took it. Do you know why he took it? He took it for me. That makes me want to break down. Do you know that when you take it, you take it for Christ? And it says that when you are accused of something you didn't do and you handle it right, God finds it commendable when you're accused wrongly. I don't mean when you're accused and you really did it. I mean when you're accused wrongly and you handle it godly, God finds that commendable. So when he was standing before Pontius Pilate and when he was getting accused by by his the people he's about to save and he kept his mouth shut. Why? For you for the man that was saying it to him. Because he loved him and he knew what he was paying for. And his retaliation cost too much. So you can do it. It's hard. I'm not telling you it's not hard. Not retaliating when insulted, that's hard. Not Threatening revenge when suffering, that's hard. Do you see what it says Jesus did? He left his case in the hands of God. Anybody here got attack going on? I want to encourage you. Give it to the Lord. You still need to walk through it, but give it to the Lord. He knows how to handle it. Somebody say amen. He can handle it. Too many times we allow our mouth to get in the way. Can I give you a couple encouraging scriptures and we're going to go home? Isaiah 54. Now I want you to listen to me. This is a promise for you. This isn't just a fun scripture to hear at church, this is a promise to stand on this week. Do you know Deuteronomy chapter 11 and Deuteronomy chapter 7 has all these great things to say about you? You're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. You're blessed in the city and blessed in the country. Well, if you will back up to your part, it's those that will hear the Lord and obey it. You fulfill that part, this is going to be the result. So as a Christ follower, as we're craving spiritual milk and getting filled with the Spirit and allowing the body to pour into our life and plugging into the body, No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises up against you in judgment, you, God, shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. You're facing verbal attack. You're facing enemy attack. I want you to know that if you will walk with the Lord... No weapon formed against you will prosper. And every tongue that rises up against you will be placed under judgment by God. If I will walk with the Lord, I have victory. It still says there's going to be suffering. It still says there's going to be trials. It still says you're going to be tested. It still says you're going to be tempted. But if I walk with the Lord, I will have victory. What are you, where are you challenged? Get in the Word. Get filled with the Spirit. Get connected to the body of Christ. Do you know that Christ has gifted His body with gifts to win in this attack? We have power in this place. Let's connect and let's make a difference. Let's get filled with the Spirit. Let's get filled with the Word. Let's make a difference, and let's learn to crave spiritual milk. Will you share hope with someone today? Share hope. Share hope. We have hope. Amen? Stand up with me, and I'm going to bless you.